0: You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCray, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's part of the Adult Explore the Bible team. So, Mike, thank you for being with us again this week. I'm glad to be here. We are going to be looking at Session 7 of the summer 2022 study of 1st and 2nd Kings. This particular study looks at chapter 19, verses 9 through 18, and it focuses on the idea of hope in the middle of despair. The passages that we're going to be focusing on, once again, were 9 through 18, and we've outlined them with these three points, alone with a question mark, the whisper in reality defined. That first part, alone with a question mark, looks at verses 9 and 10 of chapter 19. Upon arriving at Mount Horeb, Elijah entered a cave to spend the night. God confronted him, asking what Elijah was doing in the cave. Elijah pointed to his zeal for God and the Israelites abandoning of God. He also noted that he alone was left and was being pursued. The point for us to walk away in this first section is that believers can feel alone when facing opposition to the faith. The second point, verses 11 through 14, is the whisper. God directed Elijah to stand outside the cave. God sent a wind, earthquake, and fire to announce his arrival, but he was present in a soft whisper. When Elijah heard the whisper, he exited the cave and stood at the entrance. God once again asked Elijah why he was in this place. Elijah repeated that he had been zealous for God and was now being pursued by people who wanted to take his life. We can understand that God appears in the still moments of life. The last section reality defined is verses 15 through 18. In these verses, God directed Elijah to return to his home area. He was to anoint Haziel, Jehu, and Elisha with all three now doing battle for God. God also pointed to 7,000 people in Israel who had not worshipped Baal. We can understand at this point that faithful followers can stand together for God's honor. And like I I mentioned Mount Horeb, one of the things I noticed in our our book, uh, the Did You Know, identifies Mount Horeb as also being called Mount Sinai. So that may help our our class get a better picture of this is not some, this is a significant location in the sense that God's spoken on this mountain before he spoke to uh, Moses. He spoke to Moses when, uh, from the burning bush at this area. he also, it's where Moses received the 10 commandments. And now here's Elijah uh, standing there having this conversation.
1: Going back to the roots of his faith, really. What do you think Elijah
0: was wanting or expecting from God by going to Mount Horeb?
1: Hard to say, you know. Um, go back to the previous chapter, you know, the the one that we're so familiar with on Mount Carmel. Um, I can tell you, I, I know what Elijah's expectation was then on, on Mount Carmel. Um, his expectation was that um, the Israelites' hearts would turn, be turned back to God, and 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 ultimately that what happened there would be the the final once and for all victory over baalism in israel i mean that that was his expectation uh i'm not carmel but then you go and get into chapter 19 and and the reality sets in um <clears throat> jezebel sends a message to elijah saying I'll, i'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow and he elijah knew that she she was the kind of person who would keep you know make good on those promises look look at the first few verses of back in chapter 18, you know, it talks about how she slaughtered the Lord's prophets. So, I mean, she, you know, she, she had a history of doing this already. So, so here, you know, here's Elijah in chapter 19, um, in, in just a state of, of, of despair. Um, it's, it's hard to describe really, you know, the, the, the distance from that, the spiritual mountaintop, to the to the valley of discouragement and despair is not is not very far. It didn't and, take him long to get to that point. No, it? and it most often travels along the path of unrealistic, unfulfilled expectations and distorted perspectives. Um, so here you have in chapter 19 a picture of the prophet who's apparently has just given up. I you mean know, he, he traveled to beersheba the southernmost part of Judah. And then from there went another day, day's journey into the wilderness where he sat down and he prayed for God to take his life. The, you know, the, the opening verses of chapter 19. He says, in effect, I've had enough. I tried, I failed. So here's a picture of, of a prophet who's pretty much just checked out. Um, he's, he's discouraged. We find...
0: God twice asking him the same question. What are you doing here? We find that verse nine and verse 13. What's the significance of God asking him that twice?
1: You no, know, we don't know how it was. that. We don't know how God asked the question. Um, we It could have been uh, an opportunity for Elijah to express himself to God. It's like, it could be like God is saying, okay, Elijah, talk to me, you know, talk to me, tell me what's going on. Tell me why you're here. Or it could have been a rebuke, uh, you know, because he was it, he was having a bit of a pity party here. It, it seems like so we don't we don't really know that the tone, how it how it was spoken, um, but it, you notice that God did not ask Elijah, "What are you doing?" It's not "What are you doing?" He asked him, "What are you doing here? What are you doing here at at Horeb? Why are you here at Horeb and not in Israel where I called you to?" to serve and to minister to me the real issue wasn't where elijah was geographically it was where elijah was spiritually and emotionally to me that's that's the issue god in scripture god never asked a question because he doesn't know the answer god of course knew the answer you think about how uh, remember he he asked in the garden of eden in in eden in genesis 3 he asked adam a similar question where are you you know, God knew where Adam was, um, and God knew exactly where Elijah was, and God knew exactly why he was, why Elijah was there, but did Elijah really know why? Elijah thought he was there because Jezebel was trying to kill him, but Jezebel wasn't Elijah's problem. Elijah was Elijah's problem, so I think the question is to help Elijah come to terms with that. That's a great quote.
0: Jezebel was not his problem. Elijah was Elijah's problem. We find God here speaking in a whisper. Why is it important for us to remember that God speaks in a whisper? And are there other
1: examples of that in scripture? The same God who showed up in a big way on Mount Carmel, who showed up in fire, showed up at, at the cave at Mount Horeb in a gentle, quiet whisper, and that whisper was no less powerful and miraculous as the fire that fell from heaven on Mount Carmel. God does not need a big stage and a loud loud sound system to reveal himself. Sometimes he speaks the loudest in, in stillness and in quietness, And in a world of constant noise, like the world we live in, you know, a whisper can have a way of getting our attention. You know, there's, there's something, there's something powerful when someone whispers your name, you think about um, the first time you told your significant other, uh, your, your spouse before you were married, you know, the first time you, you told that person, your future spouse, that you loved her, him or her, uh, you probably spoke those words, I love you, in a soft whisper. You probably didn't scream it out loud. I mean, it was, it was spoken oh, no. um, softly and tenderly. Um, words of tenderness, words of compassion are most often spoken in a whisper and not in a, a shout. So here, here's a picture, I think, of God. And and God, God did not rebuke Elijah for being where he was on, on the contrary. It's like God is just wrapping his arms around Elijah and just whispering, uh, tender words to him because that's, that's what Elijah needed at this point.
0: Yeah. He's in a, he's in a dark spot for himself physically or emotionally, I guess would be a better way to say that. Yeah. One of the things that strikes me is the pack item four, which is looks at Elijah and Elisha, and it has different key places, locations on the map. But you have Mount Carmel almost to the further north on that map, and Mount Horeb is further south that you could go on the map. Mm-hmm. He went as far as away as he could. They'd had to go through um, all kinds of land to get to where he was. And I mean, it, it uh, He's running, and so you can see that when you look at that map. One word that's or one title that keeps coming up, and it's translated different ways. Lord of the armies is how it's done in the CSB and the New New American Standard. Lord God Almighty is how the NIV translates this phrase. God of Host is how the ESV and the King James and NAS ninety five translate it. Uh, Unpack that that title that phrase for us in verse
1: fourteen. But it's a, it's actually a military term, and it's a title for God that pictures his his power, his authority, his unrivaled power. It, it, it pictures God as ruler over all other powers, or, or he's the power above all powers, those that can be seen and those that are unseen. He's the power above all powers, and, and the implications, is, you know, is... Um, is that there are battles being fought in the spiritual realm that we cannot see. Um, and and one, that's one thing. And second, that the battle belongs to him as, as the Lord of armies, the battle belongs to him. and and thirdly, he's he's fighting for us. you know he, he is he's the one who's fighting for us. And And the irony in this is that if if Elijah is acknowledging God in that, you know in that sense, using that title, he's the God who has all power and authority. He's, you know, the battle belongs to him. He's the God who fights for us. Then what was he doing there? You know, if, if that is, <laughs> if that is who God is um, yeah. Then the question becomes more significant, Elijah, what are you doing here? And sometimes we, we allow problems and people um, or problem people uh, to become so large that, that we forget, how big God is and God seems um, less significant because we, we make those problem people or problems bigger than, than we should make them. And then and in, in effect, we make God smaller than he is. These past two and a half years now or so <clears throat> have been
0: a challenge for many churches and particularly for pastors. Mm-hmm. How can we encourage our pastor Based on lessons learned in this particular
1: passage. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago that God God did not um, rebuke Elijah for for being where he was. but he just he just dealt with him where he was. And sometimes um, withdrawing temporarily, withdrawing for a season can be a, it's a can be a good thing. can be a valuable thing for us. help us renew our sense of of calling but god doesn't intend intend for us to stay there i mean elijah ended up in a dark cave right but god didn't leave him there god didn't intend for him to stay there but he he allowed him to be there for for season and it ended up being a good thing for elijah so i you know i think the encouraging things in, in this in this account is that God knows where you are. He know. He knew where Elijah was. Uh, he knows where you are. He knows where your pastor is, um, and and he knows what you need. And he provides what what you need. When you think about the story how, as Elijah was on this journey, that the angel of the Lord gave him food, so he could continue on the journey. God took care of his his physical needs. And here, at Horeb, he he gives him something even more important, the assurance of his presence. Um, so what, what Elijah's cave and David's valley, of the shadow of death and Paul's thorn in the flesh, what, what all these things teach us is that when we come to the end of our rope, God has us right where he wants us. There, there's a book that uh, helped me a great deal during a really dark, difficult season of my life, a number of years ago, um, it's called Faith Crisis by Ron Dunn. He talks in that book about how sometimes the very things that cause us to think God is not at work, you know, the trials, the tragedies of life, the things that make us think God is not there or God's not working, those actually constitute the very work that God is doing. So Paul, you know, could talk about how his weaknesses became, became platforms for God to display his power and his grace. How when we are weak, then, then God's strength becomes evident, more evident. So in that sense, I think when Elijah went into this cave, um, God had him right where he wanted him. You know, now Elijah is teachable. You know, God, God can teach him some things. And like I said, God wasn't content to leave Elijah there. He's saying to, to Elijah, "Hey, I'm not finished with you. I've still got work for you to do. You just need to get up get up and go do it. And there's t- there are two times that God said, "Go in this passage. In verse 11, he said, "Go stand on the mountain or, or, yeah, go, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Go experience the, the presence, my presence. That's in verse 11. Then in verse 15, he says, "Go back the way you came." Go finish the work I called you to do. So first experience my presence and then get, get back to work because I'm not finished with you.
0: Well, it would so be it would be safe to say that, that the, that what's in the background here is the power of God's presence and the power of God's purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what should have motivated Elijah to do what he needed to do the rest of his
1: life. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, you know, the, the, the encouraging thing, that's, that's the encouraging thing here that, that, you know, that God knows where, right where you are and he gives you exactly what you need and he's not done with you. You know, that he wants to reveal his purpose and presence in, in our lives. And sometimes we have, you know, sometimes we have to get to the end of our rope before we really can, can experience that his purpose and presence in the way that he in, intends us to.
0: We are told in the Bible skill, we find in the Bible skill, it talks about first Kings. 19.18, which are these words from God to Elijah, are being quoted or are quoted by Paul in Romans 11.4. Mm-hmm. The Bible skill encourages us to review the Romans passage, notice the similarities and differences between the Old Testament and New Testament texts, and then think about how the first Kings passage helps us better understand Jesus and the gospel message and how that those things tie to each other. The idea in the leader guide is for us to work in pairs. And when we're looking at verses 15 through 18, we create pairs and have them do the Bible skill and then have conversation based on what they discover uh, while doing that as partners in the Bible skill. So I think that'd be a great way to kind of end the lesson, kind of sum it up and help them understand how this event in the life of Elijah also reminds us of how it relates to us as believers, and Paul bringing that out in Romans 11, 4. Mike, are there any other key thoughts or key ideas that you would share about 1 Kings 19?
1: I don't know if if you or if anyone listening to this has ever felt like a failure in ministry. I know I have, or you know, you felt very much alone or afraid, or like I've I've totally failed at, in, as a minister. I think we've all been all of us. I think have been there. All the all the or just, just wondering what on earth am I doing here? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think so many times I've thought. You know, I'm supposed to be the strong one here. I'm supposed to be the one with all the answers. And and sometimes I feel so weak and so clueless. Like I don't have a, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. There's there's a song. I just mentioned this quickly. There, there's a song by Casting Crowns. Called Just Be Held. And the first line, the first line of the song is I think it's the first line is hold it all together. Everyone needs you strong. Right. And I have felt that way so many times. I've got to hold it together because I've got to be the strong one. Well, you know, Elijah's story just resonates with me. And I think with a lot of us that. You know, he's, he's really very, he's very human. His emotions were very real. You know, like I, like i said, God didn't, you know, rebuke him for that. But Instead what God did was just took him in his arms and held him. And, and, you know, just basically said like, like the casting crown song, just stop trying to hold on and just let me hold you mm-hmm. and then go and finish strong, get up, finish strong. And, I, I, you know, that's that resonates with me, and, and surely it does with, with some others as well.
0: Thanks for sharing that that word, Mike. Uh, just let me encourage our listeners out there to take a look at the blog posts that are found on goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. These are posted every Thursday. There's a new post that's added each week. These posts will help you better understand Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind these resources. That, once again, is go goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Thank you for listening to us today. We hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session eight. Bob Bunn will be with us. We'll be looking at second Kings chapter five, verses one through 14, and looking at the idea how God offers compassion to people who follow his commands.